words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. This morning, we're just going to talk about changing the world one person at a time, part two. You know, because Adrian Lee has definitely said part one. Put your hands together for that word he brought. So apt. So apt. And he spoke about three things. If you remember clearly, what are the three things he spoke about? Political involvement. Number two, volunteering. Volunteer somewhere. There's so many people who are doing initiatives and everybody wants to start their own new initiative. How powerful if you just volunteer for towing. She, you know, she has like an NGO. Volunteer somewhere. Find out what people are doing and volunteer. Join your strength to someone. We all can't be silos. We can't be individuals. We have to do it together. We have to, togetherness, our strength will be made stronger. And then number three, random acts of kindness. So we're going to take a second perspective on changing the world this morning. So let's read these scriptures together. One, two, go. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of the world. You know, he spoke about light. Like, that's like you are the light of the world. And the city set on the hill cannot be hid. But this is the John version of the same scripture. So this is our leading scripture for today. And then let's read on. We saw him with our own very eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him, the one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. This life giver was made visible and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal God life giver lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together for truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus the anointed one this is the life message we heard him share and is still ringing in our ears we now repeat his words to you god is pure light you will never find even a trace of darkness in him. This is First John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. And it begins to speak about the light that God is. The vision I see of God is perfect light. The vision I see of anywhere else is a mix, is prisms of light. You know, light has wavelengths and prisms, color scheme of light if you did physics but if you didn't do physics just know that light has many dimensions and you can see lights in different colors so guys light is god in god there's no shadow not even a trace of darkness let's say this is god here then everybody who stands here will have what perfect light Let's say that end is darkness. As you step away from the light, what happens to you? You have reduction of light and increasing darkness. I just want your mind to get this. The person who is immersed in God has light. The person who is not immersed in God has darkness. There's no middle place. That's why if you notice that when the devil wants to make you fall, one of the things he does is to remove you from light centers. There are places when you go, you know that when you come back home, you are light. <laughs> it's clear. You're just a light. Inside your spirit, there's a bubble. You're full. If the devil wants to stop you, the first thing he starts is to make in the place which normally used to be light to be flat tasting in your mouth. So at the end, you are now in isolation, trying to activate the light. You are now by yourself, trying to 
bring up this light, trying to increase the light, trying to rid yourself of the toxins that lightlessness has done to you. So this is the message we heard from him. And if we abide in him, there will be no darkness at all. If we stay in him, we're going to be so lit. You know, lit. Lit is a... <laughs> They're borrowing godly words to use like this party was lit. No, the party was not lit. It was very dark, to be honest. Lit. If you remain in God, you'll be lit. You'll be alive. You'll be bright. There will be graces around you. There will be strength in your spirit. Those. And John began to tell this story. He said, that which was from the beginning that which was with God, that which created the earth, is this same person that incarnated and came into the world and we touched him and we saw him with our own eyes and that is what we declare. We're not telling you what we do not know. We're not telling you what we hear say. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all that which we see is what we declare we don't tell stories i've seen the sick raised by the power of god so i can preach about healing i've seen an angry man delivered by the power of god angry in every way you touch them boom you touch them, boom, explosion. This man saved by the power of God and meekness enters his spirit. How powerful is that? Transformation. And when you see transformation happen, that is what you declare. You become, then you declare. There are people who try to change the world at a grand scale. And that's the first I'm going to talk about is Orville and Wilbur. How many of you know these people? These are who? The Wright brothers. These are the two people who invented flying in the world. Before this time, nobody flew. You know, someone actually said to them, if God wanted us to fly, we would have wings. So give up on this idea of flying. Their father was a bishop. You understand? He's Episcopalian or some bishop in America. So, Reverend Bishop Wright was his name. And this man raised up sons who dreamt. Night after day, these boys dreamt like, we are going to change the world. They were great inventors. They were not good businessmen. They suffered with their patents. After a while, people copied all Brand Xerox, every innovation they made. But they were innovators. They had a dream. They will wake up in the middle of the night and work on calculations. They will make things. They will mortise wood. Their first plane, which is this you're sitting on, this is the first thing that flew. This one they're sitting on now. No, the first one they flew, they laid on it. This is like probably like some developments after. after. You look at it like a contraption now. But honestly, these guys actually got the first plane to fly for 16 seconds. 16 seconds was the first flight that ever happened. Then they knew, bam, as a friend, we got it. We got how man can fly. Without moving anything, without touching anything, an automatic engine flew for 16 seconds. They broke the history of humanity nothing like that has ever happened in fact they kept trying different things one of them fell and broke his leg while they were trying so when the US Army got in partnership with them they made a plane in the early days and the guy was a lieutenant or something like that in the army he fell and died and the, the second brother who was the second co-pilot broke his leg so the U.S. suspended and the other brother had to move to France. And they kept at it. Over a period during the World War, these guys, World War I, 
That's when these guys hit gold. Their planes were flying everywhere. A lot of people were copying their technology all over. When you have something powerful, guess what? People will copy. You can't hold it too long for yourself. People will copy, which is okay. Because in the heavens, a technology was released for man to fly. In the heavens, God gave to this bishop, bishop's children. Your children are for signs and wonders in their generation. As you serve God, God will give witty inventions to your children. I like people who quote all types of people, Confucius, all of these people, Dalai Lama. I like people, I like them. I don't have any quarrel with them. But honestly, I've decided I'm not going to quote anybody whose principles don't align with God. I like them, I'm not fighting them. But my primary thing is the principles that I will be quoting, putting on my social media, putting anywhere, be those set by a Christian whose heart is committed to God. And those are the only people I'm committed to highlighting their achievements. Every other achievement that gives glory to man, I'm not interested. You guys understand? Sometimes I hear people quoting Buddha, like, do you believe in him? Is this a mishmash truth? He said, no. It's not okay. So, uh, where did I get, how did I get there? <laughs> On December 13, 17, 1903, Wilbur and Ovel Wright made the first sustained controlled flight, flight in a powered aircraft. This is 2019, and that is the end result of what they produced. This is a Airbus A380. This plane has like crazy power. It can carry maybe like 20 cars inside the hall. It can carry maybe 700 people, well arranged. A plane will carry 700 people with their bags. So you know how Nigerians have bags. <laughs> yes. that can go to space you see he's saying that there's, a, there's a, even beyond this there are other planes that can actually break out of earth's orbit and go out into outer space and this plane will run this metal this ion will run on the ground run 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 faster 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 run fastest 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 accelerate and stretch his wings and jump into the sky 700 human beings. This is witchcraft. <laughs> and, and you'll be going in a country sometimes 15 hours. They breached the world. They brought the whole world together. Why? Because two guys changed the world from 16 seconds. From 16 seconds, two guys change the world my god it's too powerful way too powerful don't think you can't don't think that you can't do it believe that god gave you the power to change the world the next guy i want to talk about is a man called judge washington carver this black man is one of the first freed slaves and he began to innovate in agriculture. He found so many things. He was so respected. He helped with agricultural farms and projects. And he was asking God, give me big innovation. Give me big innovation. God told him, was in prayer he found his innovation God told him what do you have in your area guess what he answered peanuts that's granuts God says I will give you the secret of the granuts so the man found granuts and potatoes that's all the man found he's the one who invented granite oil cocoa butter, all of these things, granite. He found over 
80 uses of granite, including making car seats, including making all types of innovation from granite. George Washington Carver. He got farmers to renourish the earth using granite because they were farming cotton and cotton was depleting the earth. So it needs something to grow inside the ground. That's how he taught them how to restore the ground by crop rotation. This was a technology he founded and became adopted across agricultural systems across the world. A man of God in the place of prayer brought out something that was going to shift the world from the farm. If you notice, it wasn't in the church. Like Adrian Lee said, it wasn't just among his light. did not shine among God's people. He shined everywhere. Let's read this together. George Washington Carver changed the agricultural and economic life of many poor farmers. From ordinary peanuts, he made hundreds of useful products, including milk, cheese, soap, and grease. He also made over a hundred products from sweet potatoes. This is the guy who invented grease that you put inside the car, inside the car Boris. I don't know whether you guys know it, but every car tire has something called grease. He invented grease from granules. Before they started using other products to make the same, it was him first. George Washington Carver, a man of God in the place of prayer. Don't think that prayer is only for you to feel high and feel airy. Don't think that prayer is just for you to feel close to God. The Bible says, those who know their God shall be strong and shall bring about witty inventions. Inventions. So, the most profound thing to me in George Washington Carver's day was the time when famine hit the U.S. When there was famine in the whole land, when there was the influenza epidemic, all those times was the time when he was leaving. They invited him to come and help restore agriculture. Is that not a solution provider from the kingdom of God for the world? At the time when everybody was broken, they needed a man of God to come and show them what to do. He was training agricultural colleges. He was one of the founding men who built black men in America. George Washington Carver. Amazing. So I can give you 20 of these kind of people who from a spiritual place look for models that exist. There are many models that exist. I can give you Nigerian models. Time will fail me to tell you of Samuel Ajayi Crowder and what he did in Lagos and how Yoruba was actually not a language. So in Western Nigeria, there are scattered tribes of all different types. He wrote the Yoruba Bible. So the Yoruba language, I heard from a Yale historian, Weber, that the Yoruba language was a mixture of all, an amalgamation of all the languages as defined by Samuel Ajayi Crowder in the Yoruba Bible. And that's where Yoruba language, which we call Yoruba, that everybody speaks as Yoruba, emerged from. He created it more or less. Men of God who from a spiritual place downloaded technologies for the earth and became useful in their generation. How dare you die with your idea inside of you? Ah! How dare you die with the things that God has put inside of you? How dare you die with the dreams, with the visions, with the plan and the strategy of God in your heart? How? How? When men went to the spirit place and God released to them what will change the world. This is light. That those who sit in God have no darkness at all. And when they step out, the earth, their light shines brightly. Everyone can see it. Everyone can see it. So, this is actually God's transformation mandate. This is the matrix by which God fixes things. God's vision is in the center of everything. What God wants to see is in the center. 
What God wants to envision is in the center. What God wants to build is in the center. What God wants to design upon the earth is in the center. But then God calls what? A man. If God wants to do anything in the earth, he calls a man. God said to Moses, I've seen the travail of my people in Egypt. How they have been oppressed by their slave masters. And I have come down to save them. Moses, you go. Like, Lord, I thought you came down. So why is Moses going? Why don't you come down by yourself and burn up everywhere? Kill all the... Do you understand? There must be a man standing with the vision of God for God to move. Say, I am a man of God. I can't hear you. Say, I am a man of God. I can't hear you. Say, I am a man of God. Oh, God is not gender-based. God keeps everybody where... When God... He says He made them male and female and called them Adam. I don't know whether some of you sisters like this, but it's not... God is not... God is, God is asexual. He just actually has a man and a woman who is a womb man. A woman with a womb. A man with a womb. Womb man. You guys understand? As far as God is concerned, you are all sons of the living God. You are all sons. You all have a mandate. Sisters, you have a mandate. The mandate of God in your life is valid. So many times, society and culture has shaped your idea of your mandate. You have the mandate. There is something you're supposed to do on the earth. As women, as sisters, there is something you're supposed to do on the earth. There is a grace inside your heart. Your vision is no less valid. Marry a man who can color your vision and highlight it and shine the light of God into your vision. Marry a man who will not be scared to, to bring you into your place and cause you to stand. I feel like it's my personal responsibility to stand with Hadiza and to encourage her and tell her, Madam, you can do it. It's our conversation every day. Madam, you can do it. Go for it. Your dreams, come on. What do you want to do? Come on, let's do it. Come on. You are her biggest cheerleader. You are the biggest dream weaver on her behalf. You are the one who incubates what her purpose and her visions is and carry it out. Your job is to do your mandate. God's vision sits in the heart of everything. But then he calls a man. But God doesn't call a man alone. He calls other men alongside the man he calls. And he actually allows structures. Many churches are what? They are actually structures to do God's vision. But everyone has been sent. In this church, we are a sent church. We are an apostolos church. Everyone here is sent. I want to be with you guys for two, three years and say church is closed. I can go and do business. I almost have a deal with God that after three years, everybody will be ready to, to hammer in the spirit. You know what I mean? You can do your mandate. You can stand anywhere. You can declare the glory of God. Imagine that if all of us are aligned in one heart, in one judgment, all of you can start your ministry. Think about how infiltrating that will be. So maybe one time, once in six months, we'll do the gathering. And all of us, maybe I don't know how many will be at that time, maybe a thousand, all of us will come to the gathering. It will be a joyful declaration of what great things we have done in God's name because we've been in the vision of God. Don't ever be that person who will sit in the church as a monument. The church of Christ is not a monument. It is a movement. It's a forward advancing, everyday increasing, accelerating into the future of what God wants to do kind of movement. The church of Christ is actually a sending place where God sends people into his world because there are many visions in the heart of God. There are many ideas in the heart of God and God wants to birth these hundreds of ideas because there are many problems in the world. And when God looks at the problems in the world, he says, I have set my kings in Zion. What does that mean? It means that he has set the people who are going to solve this problem in the church. Can we be that church? 
Can we build a church that doesn't just want to attend register and struggle with what is uncomfortable? Can we build a church that pushes into God? Can we build a church that stays in the perfect light of God's vision? Amen. So how do you do this mandate? Sometimes we feel like maybe we can't. I'm not Judge Washington Kavanaugh. I don't even have a lab. I'm definitely not the right brothers because I can't fix a plane. So what's my own? How do I become a participant in what God is saying? Look at what the Bible says. Let's read this together. And he said to them, one, two, go. No, let's start again. One, two, go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There are two harvests of God. There's the harvest of putting together everything God has been working on for years. And that is going to be done by the church. There's the harvest of Jesus Christ coming for his church. There are two comings of the Lord. One is the coming into the church for the church to be in the image and the likeness of God. At the end, even the spirit and the bride who is the church of Christ will say, even so, come Lord. And that will be the final coming of the Lord. Before Jesus will come for the church, he will come into the church to activate the church to stir up the church to be what god wants us to be so when we read and when we hear of the harvest guess the first response at least the least we can do is pray 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 in the spirit pray in your understanding don't be someone of strategy who is always strategizing without praying Take your ideas to God in prayer. Take your plans to God in prayer. Lay them before him. Tell him this is what you want to do. Place it before God as an offering and let's see God touch your plans and cause them to come alive. Let's see God raise up laborers. Do you understand? When you see the harvest field of God, it's not for you to stand up and start going by yourself. Pray. Can we pray today? Are you ready to pray? Are you guys connecting? Can you pray for the harvest? Can you pray that God will send forth laborers in these days that we're in? And we pray that the Lord of the harvest will remember his harvest. His harvest is ripe. The fields are white under the harvest. But he didn't say we should start running into the fields. He says we should pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth the right kind of attitude, the right kind of men, men who would labor, in prayer men women who will labor and work laborers who will serve who will do his will let's pray the lord of the harvest to to remember his harvest it is that time of the harvest so lord the change you're looking for in the world is your harvest is your work is your coming in for the church this day we pray for laborers we pray for disciple makers we pray for reconstruction men and women. We pray for healers. We pray for restorers of broken cities. We pray for men who show the impact of God in the earth. We pray for repairers. We pray for laborers who will stand and innovate. We pray for innovators. We pray for society builders. We pray for agents of light. We pray for economists and people who understand what to do with systems. We pray, oh God, are you sent forth laborers into your harvest field? Are you sent forth intelligence and sent forth men of skill? Are you drag them up, oh God, and they will come and labor in your work to build a nation that glorifies you, to build a city that brings you honor. Our Lord God, the fake men of this world will not come in. The hirelings will not come in to take on your work, oh God. The men who seek vain glory and seek themselves and their own agenda will not come in to take your glory, oh God. We ask that you raise up true laborers, true people immersed in the light, who carry the light into every dark space. And they will come and sit with you and your power will be working in them, oh God. And they will implement 
the strategies of the kingdom and build you out a kingdom on earth that men have never seen. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ and he shall reign in everything. That's our heart cry. That's our desire. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice and they will not just be lazy Christians looking for someone to spoon feed them with Christianity. But Lord God, there will be men who desire more. There will be women who are hungry. Father, I ask that you raise out laborers out of these people here this morning and they will hear your voice and none of them will remain a pretender, oh God. And the very nature of their heart will shift, oh God, and they will become the people, the kind of people you want them to be. Father, I, I know you cannot change sheep to goats. You cannot change goats to sheep, oh God, but you can do anything. If you can do anything, you certainly can change the configuration of men. So Lord, we ask you to do it today. The praise and the glory of your name. Amen. One of the things we can do is pray. Pray without season. Lift up your voice anytime. Pray. Lord, if you pray this prayer, accurate prayer, because the fields already white on the harvest in the days of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. How white are they now? Whiter. Much whiter. Ready for the move of God. Ready for the sickle to come in. Ready for God to work. The place is ready. But there are no laborers. Laborers are few. Laborers are few. We have many in German people, in German agents, but no laborers. And guess what? God's work is not supposed to be a chore. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Even this is laboring. It's co-laboring. It's not us working. It's Him working. And we find out what He's doing. Do you see the vision? Do you see that vision map? That vision map. Who's, who, who has the biggest burden? Everything a man carries is an offset of what God has given him. Everything you see any man do, no one can walk. God is the one working. And then we just connect to the work that he does. And that becomes powerful. So, the first thing we do is pray. The next thing we do is, remember we sent, we preached a message here called Man of Peace. The next thing you do is search for a man of peace. In every door you open, in every business you connect to, in every organization you belong to, there will be a man of peace. Someone who is just agreeable. Someone who you can just convince. Someone who you can sell your ideas to. There is always just near you a man of peace. Do you understand? So go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road before you get to where you are really going. That, that greet no one doesn't mean you shouldn't be nice. It actually just means don't be distracted. Don't be what? Distracted. Don't be distracted. Whatever house you enter, first say peace unto this house. Carry peace wherever you go. So don't be all over the place. Focus on where I've sent you to. Go to the place of your assignment. And when you arrive there, say, peace everywhere you go say peace peace I come here in peace so preach to someone everywhere you go carry peace with you carry peace with you carry peace as you arrive open the door and say peace unto this house one Wednesday I asked that if they ask you how are you how should you answer you know but today when you enter any door, I, I've been practicing it. When I visit any family, I just open the door and say, peace be unto this house. It's so amazing. It's just amazing. Honestly, you know these simple things that God says we should do? Very powerful. You can change the atmosphere. Like, you know how many of you know that in the house sometimes among husband and wife, there is tension. There is tension. Tension in the Kwego. Heavy tension. As a pastor, I have entered into some tense situation where it was just better for me to. <laughs> so, when you enter and you declare your peace, guess what? Everybody rearranges themselves. They, they evaluate the reason why they were fighting and whether it's worth it for them to continue. They decide very quickly whether to make up or whether to pretend. To pretend that everything is okay or to give it give it full expression 
So you, you carry your peace into the house where you go. Everywhere you go, just declare your peace as you arrive. Peace. Even if it's your own house, you go home. Peace be into this house. Powerful. And the Bible says the man of peace will meet you. Everywhere you go, there will be someone who is open to your ideas. Do you know we spend so much energy on the people who are not open to us? And we spend too little time on the people who are open to us. You know why? The people who give us the most grief are the people we love who don't love us back. The people who, who really love us, we also don't love them back. So we are continuing this cyclical wheel of hate around ourselves. How about you change it? Do you understand? I'm not saying you should not love those who love you back. Remember, you are supposed to. Right. But actually, the man of peace is the one who you can minister to now. The other person, you keep a general atmosphere of love around them until they become a man of peace. Do you understand? This is the principle. Everywhere you go, there's always one person. Always. God never locks you out. Travel to a foreign country, God will send you. That's how I ran into a, a, a girl from Thailand. Do you understand? In, in one of those, you know, you go and do a course. I ran into a girl from Thailand. She sat and just drank at my, at my feet. Whatever I preached to her was good. I preached her because she was Buddhist. I preached. She said, oh, wow. You believe that? I say, yeah. So I'm like, what do you believe? She tell me some things. I said, like, but do you really believe that? She said, well, that's what my mother told me. I said, well, what do you? Do you understand? We had like great conversation. Hours and hours into the night, into the, into the morning sometimes. Meet up early. We talk all day. I was just preaching to her man of peace by the time she leaves there what would you think she would be heavy with thoughts and meditations that will draw her to God look for the man of peace do you know that's something you can do now you don't need 10 degrees to do it now every day you go out look for the man of peace that's how to change the world one person at a time next minister when you find the man of peace let's read this together and remain in the same house eating and drinking such things as they give for the laborer is worthy of his wages do not go from house to house Jehovah witnesses take note what Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are said before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. I remember we went to a town called Jarawankogi in Plateau State. It was a village at that time and we went to do rural evangelism. And when we went to do rural evangelism, we're sitting down with local villagers the mix of Muslim headsmen and local people who worshipped idols. And we're sitting with them and just, just sitting with them and gisting with them and we're saying, the Lord sent us to their village. And we're like a group of 40 people from school. We just went, we said, the Lord sent us to their village. Man, the real test of it was when they, sent, when they set gruel in front of us. You know what gruel looks like? Gruel is their food. Look at how it's, it's, it's spelled G-R-O-E-L. But it's, it actually almost sounds like cruel. C-R-U-E-L. It was actually like ground millet made into paste. And then with a little dash of palm oil on top. And then they dropped some pepper. One big pepper inside. They said we should eat remember the missionaries who came to Africa at that time and how our food must have looked like to them. <laughs> do you guys get this? That sometimes, this is, and do you know, this we're just watching us to see what we're going to eat. Our fellowship president just sat down and started eating. Man, this was the biggest suffering I did to the Lord. He wasn't going to the village. He was eating that food. You know, I've always been a picky eater since 
sitting there eating that thing. I, I changed, I gave my life to Christ. <laughs> Eat what is set before you. Fellowship with the unbeliever. Sit with them. Tarry with them. Trust God that you will take the upper hand in the conversation. Trust God to give you the right words. Minister. Minister. Wherever you go. Don't say, people come and tell you. Do you know the first evidence that God wants to use you? People start telling you their problems. Don't say, I don't know why they're telling me all these things. So <laughs> They came and, do you know what he did? He came and just told me everything. His life history. I think like, that was, that was a little forward. I must say, God is giving you an open door. Say open door. God is giving you what? An open door. Wherever you go, minister. That's how to change the world. Minister the grace of God. Minister the power of the light you carry. Minister the unction of the Holy One. Don't be so self-absorbed that you forget to minister. Don't be so scared that you forget to minister. Don't be so, you know, you know how you can be tongue-tied. I don't know what to say. They spoke to me. I didn't know what to say to them. So I was looking at them and they were looking at me. And the moment, those 10 minutes looked like 20 hours. It was so awkward. Get comfortable with awkwardness. Awkwardness doesn't kill. Tell somebody. Oh yeah, he said to someone else again, honestly, Pastor Fred, awkwardness doesn't kill. It doesn't kill. It doesn't kill. Do you know that sometimes you will never know what things you will say out of your mouth that will blow somebody away? Awkwardness doesn't kill. As they say, don't challenge a thin to the sauna. Finish the people from Finland are called Finnish or called fiends. Right? If you challenge them to a sauna because they live in the sauna, sauna is a place where you have hot baths during winter. People go into these houses and have place pools of water where they sit down. And normally, if you want to challenge your friend, you challenge them, let's go to the sauna. And who is going to put more hot water and endure more? The fiends have anything above 100 degrees centigrade in their body and anything above 40 degrees, below 40 degrees in their body, the same body. They can take any temperature because their, their weather is the worst in the world. Finland, one of the coldest countries in the world, minus 20 most of the time. So you challenge, the, so the Finns, when we're doing international marketing management, they went taking the Finnish culture and the Finns particularly do not flinch at all. So you bring a Finnish man to the sauna. <laughs> so we sit in the sauna together and we'll be gisting, like, hey, how are you doing? How's school today? Blah, blah, blah. And then it's, it's getting hot. <laughs> you understand? There's boiling water by the side. He's putting the hot water, putting the hot water. This is how a thing goes. You know, you put one bucket and wait for it to cool. But he would take bucket after bucket after bucket. You're skin with body. Ah, Finn, Mr. Finn, I'm burning. <laughs> Thank you. Don't challenge a Finn to the sound. But something else they say about the Finns is that they don't, they don't try to make awkward situations positive. So you know how you go to someone, you're sitting with someone, you're trying to have small talk because there was nothing to say. Or, or, or it will be awkward. You know, like you're sitting down like, this is Zena, like as I, as I used to do, and then we're sitting and looking at each other, and then after five minutes, we have nothing to say. And then the whole atmosphere is dry. The Finnish man will let it to be dry like that. <laughs> he will not redeem the awkwardness. Why am I saying that? Yeah, human beings on earth who are practicing this thing the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. Practice comfort with awkwardness. Because every time God wants you to speak, it always starts awkward. Don't believe it this is the thing i found honestly i don't know whether anybody has explained this to you but if you sat in the bus and you wanted to preach it would be awkward 
if you sign a cafe. So should I just stand up in this cafe and now start saying, hey, guys, the Holy Spirit is here. <laughs> awkward. But what if the Holy Spirit was there? It would still be awkward. What will happen is that your internal wire should be more alive than the world. Be dead to the world and be alive in God. That's the way to conquer awkwardness. For you to change the world, you must minister. I don't want us to be a church of church attenders. I want us to be a church of ministers. Do you know your two Kobo message, this one that you're not sure of, this is your sermon that you feel like, well, I'm not a good preacher, will change someone's life. Do you know someone is waiting for you to take a scripture and quote it to them? Even if all you know, you know the one all unbelievers know. You know the scripture all unbelievers know. say not not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom that's unbelievers who quote this to you first of all most unbelievers know that and then do not judge thou shall not judge judge not and you shall not be judged all unbelievers quote these two scriptures to you even if that's what you know start from I, i'm not here to judge you i'm not really here to judge you i want to tell you about the grace of god start from there the Bible says you shouldn't judge. So I'm not here to tell you like, oh, you're all about all your sins. Start from there. Even thou shalt not judge. It's a good scripture to start preaching from. Wherever. You understand? Preach. Minister. We are all called to give the grace of God. How can you pass from week to week without ministering to anyone? When was the last time you preached? To change the world, you have to give. And you know these days, so social media helps us a lot to be able to post things on our wall that people will actually engage us and ask us what we are saying. Some of you, your stories have been dry for so long as if you're in deliberately drying up your life. Or you, you think like because you don't put up any stories and you don't check social media, you're very mature. Let me tell you, it's not true. Not more mature than me. Who does social media? Let me tell you now. Some of you, you think like because you don't do social media, you're very mature. Let me tell you, you're not mature. You're actually, in fact, you're very immature. <laughs> because you go behind to go and see what other people have been posting. Is that not immaturity? Is that not immaturity? When you, you're not doing anything, but just trying to see what other people are doing. Snooping around. Mr. Snoop. Not your neighbor and say Mr. Snoop. Especially if there are those people who don't do social media at all, like Pastor Fred. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy now you guys actually get it when I'm joking. This, this was supposed to be a joke. This part was a joke. <laughs> to change the world, you must minister. You must give what God has given to you. You must carry that light which you've tasted and give it to someone else. Why? There's still demonic activity in the world. Why? Because we're supposed to offer redemption. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I am here for the sinners. Why are you here? Why are you in the world? If Jesus said this is why he was here, why are you here? Do you know there are some scriptures that we have to think deeply about? He's not here for the Pharisees. He's not here for church people. He's here specifically for sinners. Why are you here? In conclusion, if you love, you can change the world. But love alone is not enough. Love just helps us to put all things together. You need also wisdom, which is what? God's word and God's mind and God's way of reasoning. Then you also need what? Power. 
you need to get to a point when you can have the miraculous at work in your life. You need to grow in the spirit to have power. But the biggest thing you need to have is a desire for redemption of healing and healing of marriages, people's lives, of sicknesses in the body, of work life of people. You must have redemption at the back of your mind. People giving their lives to Christ. Jesus came to redeem. I know we've made the gospel about many things, but the central message of the gospel is redemption. That man was lost without Christ and God wants to bring man back. So Jesus says, I did not come for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. Let's read this together. No, you have to read it louder like we mean it. We may not be able to move a city, but we can move a friend. We may not be able to move a nation, but we can influence our family. Don't do the list when he did the most. Start where you are with who you have access to. You can change the world one person at a time. This was a quote. Don't do the list when he did the most. Who knows who made that quote? Yeah, Pastor Kanye West. He said last Sunday while he was preaching in his new church, Kanye Sunday services. Why are you doing the list when Christ did the most? That thing hit me like a bolt. It did. <laughs> I know this is going to give a, a, lot of, a lot of withdrawal symptoms. How we pray that people should give their lives to Christ. And when they start the journey, we don't believe. Don't believe that man something is happening to him i'm just praying for him that god will surround him with the right kind of wisdom and counsel to lead him home something is happening why are you doing the least for god when he did the most for you can i ask you why are you doing the least when he did the most you can change the world one person at a time. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.